Today is Friday, March 31st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Another tech expert is weighing in with an extremely dire prediction about AI if it's left unchecked. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't. Give us a rating. Share with a friend. You can email us as well. Quick Start Podcast at CBN. Org. Joining me, Billy Hallowell, to help us get through the news of the Cray here on this Friday. Trey is on assignment. We think he may have gotten lost in Zanzibar, but we're not sure. <laughs> but uh, he'll be back soon enough. But uh, how's it going, Billy? I'm good. Yeah, he's flying all over America. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well here in, in sunny New York. Yeah, in sunny Pennsylvania here as well. The weather is is looking good. Although I know there's some uh, some tough weather making its way across across the country right now but that's another story for another day what do we have on the focus story bill bill i just called yeah, you bill. T- you called me bill there's a first yes um, bill e billy <laughs> billy i'm sorry uh, we are going to be talking about this ex-lgbtq activist who faces potential prison time for sharing his testimony of leaving a gay lifestyle behind it's a pretty crazy story yeah the laws there are insane Insane, but something tells me maybe we should pay attention to this kind of stuff because perhaps we're not too far off. So we'll have that story. Also on the main thing, CBN's John Stolness talks with Sandra Bishop, who's the author of a new report from the Council for a Strong America on a new study that took a look at the exploding cost of childcare in America. This is another thing that is just going off the charts expense-wise for Americans to deal with. We'll have all that coming up and more. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And a pair of U.S. military helicopters crashed into each other over Kentucky earlier this week on Wednesday night, killing all nine soldiers aboard the two HH-60 Blackhawk helicopters collided around 10 p.m., The flights were supposed to be part of a routine training mission. The two helicopters were flying a training progression in, quote, multi-ship formation under night vision goggles. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear asked for prayers for the families. Social Security is going broke, and many younger Americans are wondering if it'll be available for them when they retire. So what can be done to save it? For current retirees and future generations, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy recently said it it just uh, to look at a 10-year window for the first time, three trust funds go insolvent. CBN's Gary Lane has all the details on that important report uh, on this week's episode of The Global Lane. And Elon Musk and over a thousand experts called for a six-month pause on developing powerful AI systems. They said safety protocols need to be developed uh, however, Eliezer Yudkowski is another AI safety expert. He had even more of a dire prediction saying that building a superhumanly smart AI could result in literally everyone on Earth dying. Those are just some of today's top headlines, and you can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Not to be dramatic here, but this is what people are saying. Elon Musk, Billy, they and like a thousand other kind of experts in these fields are saying, hey, we need to slow this down, but I don't know that genie's out of the bottle. I don't you're not gonna yeah. tell China's not gonna be slowing down the AI arms race. None of these other countries are gonna be slowing India. They're not gonna slow this stuff down. So I'm not sure that you can feasibly do that. 
and tell people to stop doing this stuff and when there's clearly a race going on. But these predictions are getting more and more dire. And what um, Yudkowsky is saying, by the way, is basically that what happens when AI surpasses human intelligence? And then he just thinks that that's going to lead to catastrophic results. Well, yeah. And, you know, imagine imagine if the Antichrist were like an AI machine and not <laughs> right. I mean, right. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But you just it's it is kind of crazy watching all these tech minds who design so many of the things we use every day now suddenly warning, OK, maybe we've gone too far. Maybe we need a minute before we proceed. And, you know, I, I do think it's really smart to take a pause because when you look at this technology and you look at any technology, you know, I'm pro tech. I, I love tech, but there are downsides and you should know all of those downsides, especially if you're creating something to think on its own. That's just creepy. We should definitely be aware of what could happen. Right. Because right now they're with this chat GPT, it's contained to just the website and it's limited. It can't it can't browse the Internet currently and pull stuff. It's only I think 2021 is where it goes back to. This is just the first iteration of this. I mean, people are going to start replicating AI like this. They're going to become more and more common. And then think about it. it what can't you apply it to? I mean, people are already saying like, hey, I'm going to give it access to my bank accounts and then or my investment funds and just let it go try to, you know, plan investments and stuff. I mean, it's not going to just stay this nice little friendly thing that we have a search box on and we can we can have it help us with our homework. And that, that's that's not where it's going to stay. I mean, people are absolutely going to be chomping at the bit to get this like a brilliant AI machine to do run all your investments. Right. I mean, it's like if it's got, but it's that's going to all come in time when you can connect it to real time information, connect it to the markets and everything else. It's going to analyze perfectly in seconds. And it, what is going to be real anymore at that point? I mean, it just. I, yeah. I, my brain's having a hard time even fathoming how far this stuff is going to go. Well, jobs, you know, how many people lose their jobs if you do this too fast and the economy doesn't catch up to it? That's what uh, Johnny Moore was saying when we interviewed yeah. him about it. You've got to you've got to consider that. Right. Like what what about all the jobs that provide meaning to people? Does that matter? And that was something that was raised by Musk and the others in that letter, you know, meaningful work. You know, we need to make sure that we don't obliterate that without thinking. Um, so there's just there's so many levels and policing, right? That these proposals or ideas about having robots essentially serve as police officers. I mean, what yeah. could go wrong there? Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Indeed, it is. I mean, it is something we need to be keeping an eye on. We certainly need to be praying about. And again, this is where, and this is something that I come back to on so many of these issues. Is as much as it freaks me out in some ways. I also have to check myself because I remember that God is the sovereign God over everything. This isn't a surprise to him. AI isn't a surprise to him. And I don't know what it means exactly, but I can still trust God and his promises. And that ultimately, whatever craziness comes out of this, he's going to work it for good. His plan will be accomplished. And I can rest easy in that. And then that's when I feel better about it and I move on with life. But uh, it is it is wild to think about. Uh, everything that is going on and could come it, it it's exciting on the one hand but terrifying on the other so we'll we'll continue to report on it here at cbn news so we're gonna head into our next story though and we are gonna take a look at this incredible testimony here and shocking laws that an ex-lgbt activist is facing potential prison time here 
after sharing his testimony of leaving behind the gay lifestyle to follow Christ. So, Billy, what is what happened here? Yeah, this is Matthew Gretsch. He lives out in Malta, and he basically, he sat down with us and told us about his journey. You know, before he became a Christian, he was involved in the occult. He was in same-sex relationships, and he really just interestingly went to church one day. He was invited to church by a friend, and he said he experienced something he had never felt before, the presence of God, the, the love of genuine believers, and the impact on him was profound. He became a Christian, committed his life to Christ, and then he went on a journey. He started looking at what the Bible says, right? So this happens a lot. You know, you make a commitment, you start to read, and you see, oh, wow, there's a bunch of Bible verses here about homosexuality. And, you know, so he yeah. he started to realize he needed to change his life and really wanted to be in the will of God, he said. And so long story short, flash forward, he starts sharing his experience, moving away from that lifestyle, dropping that label. You know, he, I want to read this quote because I think it's actually important to his story. He said, quote, what society calls gay, I don't have to wear that label anymore. When I understood that, hope filled my heart, heaviness left my body. So, you know, he's not talking about, you know, same-sex attraction, whether or not that's still there. He's talking about the label and not needing to have that label and not needing to live that out. And so he went and shared his testimony and that's, that's when he ran into some legal trouble. Yeah, I, he's, I think he said, if I remember uh, reading your article right, that he had a um, a good conversation, he thought. And then he started getting calls about this and finds out there's a penalty for this purported crime. What is it? Right. So, okay. Malta in 2016 became the first European Union country to ban any attempt to change or repress or eliminate a person's gender identity or sexual orientation. This would be conversion therapy ban, right? So this, this happened back in 2016 with the ban. He recently was sharing his testimony and went on, went on to an outlet, a local outlet, talked to two reporters, shared his testimony and, you know, as far as we know from the transcript and what we've seen, he wasn't encouraging anybody, telling anybody to change their orientation or to do anything. He was sharing his story and he was very critical of Malta's law on this, right? The restrictions on conversion therapy. He's been very openly critical of that. And so what's so wild about this is that if you violate that 2016 law in Malta, you could go to prison, you could go to jail for up to five months. I think it's 5,000 euros that you're fined. So it's a substantial fine that involves you know, prison time, um, essentially. And so because he did this, this, you know, thing on the air, the police showed up, he was shocked, you know, after this interview and they decided to charge him. And so he is currently in a legal battle. He had his first court hearing in February and he'll head back in June for the next one. That is truly, truly stunning. And when you read through some of those laws that you're, you're highlighting there, it's, it's Orwellian. I mean, I know it's not here in America, but man, it's just, wow, thought crimes, things of that nature. So how is he reacting to all this? Well, he's fighting. I mean, he he basically said he thinks the entire ordeal intimidates Christians. It's an attempt to discourage people like him from sharing their stories. He said that this is creating a lot of stigma. Um, and I thought it was interesting, you know, talking about his June 9th hearing that's coming. He said, we're preparing with our legal team and we do expect to see God move powerfully. Apparently, this is the first case that's really been tried under this law. Um, and so that is actually very interesting. People are going to be watching this. And again, you know, I'd remind people 
this isn't whether or not we think there should be conversion bans, uh, you know, conversion therapy bans. This wasn't a counselor doing this. This was a person sharing their testimony, um, you know, on on the air somewhere, right? And and so that's what makes it so shocking. He was apparently, by the way, reported by um, some LGBTQ groups that heard it. That was how this happened. You know, he was kind of reported by them, but he said he's looking forward to showing the quote real face of what has been put into legislation and plans to remain bold and uncompromising. Yeah, and good for him for doing that. Not easy in the circumstances that he has. But this is a really interesting... We've talked about this before, Billy, on the podcast about how it's not hate to, you know, this conversion, I mean, therapy, I mean, whatever specific one version of it that they're talking about here, regardless of that, but praying with someone and, you know, leading them in to towards God's truth this is not, they consider that a hateful thing, and Christians, of course, would consider it a loving thing to, to tell someone the truth. And to and so it's this interesting battle that's going on, because it's like one side doesn't want you to be allowed to even tell someone that they're, you know, God might have something better for them. But then on the other side, you know, you're, you're viewing it as loving, and this is the thing that I need to do. And so I don't know that there is any overlap there, any common ground you're going to see fine. All we can do is trust that God's word is going to pierce the heart and change hearts and minds. Yeah, well, and I think to me, the part of this that's so bizarre and troubling is that if you're somebody who wants help to deal with not living out this lifestyle because you don't think it's right, you don't have to agree with that person if you're yeah. out there and you don't like what I'm saying here. But if that's what you want to do, you're actually criminalizing this to a point where nobody can actually get that help. They're not able to speak with anybody. There's no counselor they can go to because everybody's afraid to help that person. I just, you know, it, it's not about whether or not you could change your orientation. It's about that person wants to talk with somebody and be affirmed in their decision not yeah. to live that lifestyle out. So it's yeah, it's very troubling yeah, to me. It is troubling. And, um, you know, again, like I said before, I think in America, we don't have that exactly yet. But I mean, I don't think we're that far off. I mean, you see people continually chipping away at the Constitution and the individual liberties and rights that we have been afforded. If those go away, these are the sorts of laws and things that you can you can expect to see. I mean, we're seeing them elsewhere, like like in this case. So continued prayers there for sure. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And Sandra Bishop, who's the author of a new report from the Council for a Strong America on a new study that took a look at the exploding cost of childcare in America. Another hit to the pocketbook that that Americans are dealing with all across the country. CBN's John Stolness has a story for today's main thing. Sandra, the numbers are, are staggering, and I think anecdotally, a lot of people listening to this kind of had an inkling that something like this might be true, but to see the, the raw data out there is, is really quite startling. Were you surprised when you saw the numbers? I was. Uh, in, yeah, I was surprised indeed. So back in 2018, before the pandemic, when we did this exact same study and we found that the impact, the economic impact of this is um, infant and toddler childcare problems alone. So just that small segment of the population was $57 billion. And we decided to go back in in December of 2022 and see what has happened and what has changed over time. And 
I even warned my colleagues, you know, it may not really be that much of a difference because your parents find a way to make this work, but it was huge. It went from 57 billion to $122 billion of impact. So it really seems that, you know, the pandemic and associated problems was really the straw that broke the camel's back. Parents were not able to just make it work. Let's talk about the pandemic to to start off because we we know that um, I think it's gotten more rules have been put in place essentially for what you when you can leave your children. P- people I think felt more comfortable leaving their children who maybe weren't feeling a hundred percent or daycare centers uh, or childcare workers uh, didn't have I think maybe as strict rules in place in terms of taking on children who might be battling illness or fever or something like that. Is mm-hmm. that part of what's going on here? Is it is it kind of a tightening of standards in terms of 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 what? parents and child care workers are, are willing to allow themselves to be exposed to? I think that is part of the problem, but other problems also have, have you know, compounded that. Part of it is, you know, early in the pandemic, just a whole bunch of child care providers closed. They couldn't get people to come in for their own safety. They closed. Um, a lot of them closed temporarily and a significant number closed permanently. So there's just less supply now. And the childcare workforce was another, is another issue here. Before the pandemic, these providers operated on really razor thin margins. And then post pandemic, they're paying more for cleaning supplies and the, all these precautions. They have fewer families coming because parents are making alternative arrangements. And a lot of the providers just left the field. So the childcare uh, workforce right now is about 58,000 fewer people providing childcare than before the pandemic. So you already had a supply problem and now it's even worse because they're just fewer. And I guess because there are fewer childcare workers, it would make sense then that the price, the cost is if there's, you know, obviously fewer people to go around to take care of your children, they're more sought after, they can afford to raise prices, or maybe they have to raise prices in in order to just stay in business. But is the cost going up? And if so, do you have a sense for how much it's costing the average American family for childcare right now? Um, Yes. So providers have not been able to raise their wages as much as you, as you might think, because their parents just are not able to pay. In a lot of ways, it's a market that just doesn't work what it costs to provide quality care, especially to infants and toddlers, because with the really young kids, the ratios have to be so small. Most states it's, you know, three or four infants to a, to a, an adult mm-hmm. um, and parents just can't afford what it costs. And you have to provide care for the full day, which for some places is seven in the morning till seven at night. So parents just can't afford what it costs to provide, to uh, provide the quality care. So providers are kind of limited on how much they can charge and um, a lot of places just can't get the staff. So you may have a center that's licensed to care for 50 kids, but because they don't have enough staff to cover those ratios, they only may serve 20 kids or 25 kids. So it, it's shrunk in that way. Um, the average cost um, varies by state, but in 35 states in the District of Columbia, infant and toddler child care center, child care in a center costs more than college tuition, in-state college tuition. So some states, it's an average of $20,000 a year, $7,000 a year, sort of a wide range, but expensive in virtually every state, especially for infants and toddlers because of that ratio need. 
That that is an incredible number. The fact that people are paying as much for childcare, more for childcare than they would to send somebody to college. That's that's unbelievable. And I think one of the other things your study noted was that um, income level, like families who have low incomes are, are really struggling with this. And we know that a, a larger proportion of American families of color have lower incomes. So are we finding that it's it's more acutely affecting families of color because they tend to have lower incomes in just in a general data sense? Yes, for sure. Because you know, it's definitely more impact on lower income families. And because as you said, lower income families are disproportionately families of color. It definitely has more of an impact on families of color. Mm -hmm. So how are parents making this work, I guess? I mean, what, what, what steps can be taken in order to make it work for parents? Because the economy is, is such that in many cases, it's, it's extremely difficult for just one parent to work and one parent to be able to stay home with their, with their children. There are very few families that can afford to do that. So how do, how are, how do families make it work? How, what can be put in place in order to make this more affordable, in order to increase child care, to fix this problem? Sure. So we advocate a Council for Strong America and Ready Nation, our um, group that did this study, for family-fendered policies, really policies that can make child care more affordable. So the Child Development Block Grant, for example, is a federal program that is provided to states in the form of a block grant, and states also provide funds toward that um, those child care subsidies. So we argue for increased investments at both the state and federal level in these subsidy programs to allow families to work and support their families. And you mentioned in your report that addressing these issues not only affects the families, but it also positively impacts the employers because right. you're losing productivity, you're losing man hours. There's a lot of different ways in which making more child care available to families actually helps the employers and, and the economy as a whole. For sure. That's one of the big take-home take messages from our report is that this really impacts everybody. This is Families are impacted most directly because it's their day-to-day -day life. But of that $122 billion, $78 billion of that is impacts on families. But $23 billion is impacts on businesses through lost productivity, needing to rehire parents who, are, who have to leave the workforce. Um, attendance problems. And then 21 billion of that 122 billion is for taxpayers. So when parents have lower incomes, they're paying less in income taxes, they're consuming less taxable goods, business revenue goes down, they're paying less in taxes. So it really impacts the entire economy at, at a, on a yearly basis. Well, I, I think it's a really fascinating story because this is one of those things that impacts everybody. And mm -hmm. uh, so the vast majority of, of U.S. households have two parents working. And, you know, until children are old enough to be in school most of the day, when, like you said, infants and, and young children, toddlers, they need somebody to be watching them all day long. And uh, it's it's certainly there's a I know you also mentioned that there are, are deserts in, in, in America where there's just not much child care for 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 enough to go around. So um, if people want to learn more about the study and learn more about um, all the work that you're doing there, uh, how do they go find you guys? Sure. So our website is strongnation.org and we're happy to, there's an information button on there. We're happy to answer any questions for folks who want more information. Well, this is really a fascinating topic. Sandra, thank you much for your, thank you so much for your work and for joining me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Happy to be here. All right, John, thanks for that conversation there. Really appreciate it. I mean, Billy, this is just, I know so many people send their kids to childcare and 
you just add that on to the cost of everything that's going up right now. It's just, it's insane. It's insane right now with, with the cost of living. Yeah. Some people just, they don't work anymore because they're like, I'm just going to stay home. There's no point, right, you, you know, barely, for the parents to yeah, work. Right. You, you barely come like, out ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you're crazy. working to pay for childcare. So at that <laughs> right. point you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> Maybe I I'll guess care I'll for just my stay home. <laughs> Maybe I'll care <laughs> exactly. for my child, right? You, you don't get any benefit from it at all. So yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So thanks for that report, John. Appreciate it. But uh, that's going to leave us with time for one last thing. So this one's two verses. It's Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Mm. And I just thought about our story today and just, you know, standing firm and being there for other people who are standing firm and just being there to help in general keep one another on the right path, I think. It's just an important verse, important reminder. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it speaks to the fact that we are fallen, we're here in a broken world, and that we can be easily pulled away. I mean, we've seen it a million times with the Israelites, how many times they run off to other idols, despite God providing for them miraculously in so many cases. So the tendency is there. That didn't go away at any time for us as humans to fall to become you know full of doubt and and then you know be deceived by sin that potential is there in all of us so it's up to the saints to encourage one another and lift one another up to to be on the lookout for that i think you can get in the day-to-day grind and kind of forget that maybe that's a possibility like if you're going strong in your faith right then you kind of forget that maybe somebody else isn't so i think it's a really good reminder to be be on top of that be on the lookout be encouraging our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to stay strong in the faith. So good verse there. Appreciate it, Billy. And um, appreciate all you listening here each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. Love having you here. Love hearing from you on the email at uh, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Keep sending them in. And Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We're going to be back here on Monday with more. God bless. We'll see you then.